0: Welcome to another episode of Anything Goes Hokkaido Video and Audio Podcast. I'm Delana. I'm Shinya. And today and... we have a special guest.
1: <laughs> yeah, my name's Geraldine, or uh, my friends call me Jerry, and um, I'm here in Kuchan at the moment over the summer.
0: Oh wow! I didn't realize you had moved to Kuchan, or have you been there the whole time?
1: Uh, yeah, I moved to Kuchan in uh, in May, beginning of May.
0: Okay. And before that? Uh, before that I was living in Sapporo. I was That's in what Sapporo. I thought, yeah. Five years, yeah, five years in Sapporo. So you've been in Hokkaido five plus years then?
1: Yeah, just over five years now.
0: Nice. And what brought you to our lovely island?
1: Um, I originally came because I really wanted to um, experience the mountains. I was in Japan for a year already and I love living here. You know, it's very safe and it's very clean. And um, I really wanted to experience more skiing and snowboarding and hiking. Um, So I came out to Hokkaido just to have, you know, more to be close to nature and to enjoy like the countryside and and the more kind of slow pace of life.
0: Yeah, where were you living before you came to Hokkaido? Uh,
1: I lived in Tochigi in Utsunomiya, closer yeah. to Tokyo. But I, you know, I, I liked Honshu for the um, some of the like uh, more traditional kind of Japanese um, the history there. But I didn't enjoy summer, summer was way too hot for me. So, up wow. here in Hokkaido, we have really nice, you know, weather all year round, and yeah, I enjoy it very much.
2: I mean that's one of the reasons I'm up here too yeah hiking skiing snowboarding get get away from the heat yeah I think that's for a lot of people yeah
0: yeah for sure a Florida girl here like when I go home to Florida I just get into like okay it's super hot summer mode and that's fine for a couple of weeks but I'm even really hot sitting here with a jacket on (laughs) (laughs) right now I want to just like get into my uh, tank top Florida style but I'm kind of super almost hyper aware these days about Japanese culture and like showing your shoulders is kind of a no-no typically Mm, so I'm like even though our viewers are not necessarily going to care about that at the same time I was like maybe I should wear a jacket (laughs) (laughs) if it gets too hot though I'm gonna strip it off and just say like yeah (laughs) So, uh, Geraldine, you spent almost five years in Sapporo, where we are, and then Kuchan. What made you move there?
1: Um, well, I uh, I finished work at the end of March, and um, I was working in Tokyo International School kindergarten in Sapporo, and then you know I kind of decided like 2020 was like the year that I was gonna go traveling, you know, and I was getting ready to kind of leave nice, my
2: job, nice to go timing. traveling
1: and then eventually get back to the UK you know and spend some time with my family um and, and yeah 2020 was not the best year <laughs> so actually my my original plan was to cycle from uh Sapporo to, back to London with my friend so for two years we were planning a long bike trip uh, he lives a, in Myanmar <laughs> That's and a, he was going to fly here with his bike and then together we would cycle back to England through China, <laughs> through Korea, through China, through Mongolia, through, um, you know, Central Asia and back to London. Um, and obviously this uh, pandemic happened and, you know, my friend cancelled his flight and I'd already quit my job and I'd moved out of my apartment and, you know, I, I, I kind of thought like, where should I go now? What should I do now? And, uh I I cycled by myself for a while, like I I cycled from Sapporo down to Sendai, I got as far as Sendai in Honshu and um, they declared the state of emergency for the coronavirus and uh, it wasn't safe to be out on the road or camping, so then I took the ferry back to Hokkaido and I have friends here in Kuchan. Uh, there's a big foreigner community here in Kuchan. It's very easy to find a room to rent. You know, my friends live up the road. And, you know, it's it's kind of like life on easy mode, really, to be in this area for me. So I was really grateful to come back and have, you know, a safe place where I could kind of be inside. And, you know, a hot shower after, you know, living out on the bike and things as well. Um, yeah so it's really beautiful here like you can't see it now but Mount Yote is like under all of those clouds you know out of the window you can see Mount Yote from my room so I feel very lucky that I found you know a safe place to be during this pandemic time
0: yeah that's incredible great story how long were you cycling like how long did it take you to get from Sapporo to Sendai you said
1: yeah, to Sendai, about three weeks. Yeah, about three That's
2: weeks. Not bad.
1: So I took I took a ferry from Hakodate to Oma and then cycled and then uh, cycled from Oma. And then in Iwate, there was like no coronavirus cases actually. So it's yeah. lots of countryside and I felt very safe there. But as I started getting closer to uh, Sendai City, there was more kind of closed campsites and um, even the convenience store like seating areas were kind of closed off so it was kind of quite hard to be out on the road and people were a bit suspicious of you know anyone who's kind of traveling or coming from the outside so yeah I just kind of tried to kind of bail as quickly as possible and that meant that like my last few days like my longest day I did 112 kilometers in one day trying to get to my friend's house in Sendai Um, and then I arrived in the park and like you know it was all roped off like clothes for coronavirus and everything and I was so (laughs) tired you know so I had to go and find somewhere else to put my tent so you know it was challenging but very enjoyable as well Um, mm, Yes
2: You did this all by yourself?
1: Yeah I did yeah Wow Yeah. Yeah I, I wanted to get to Okinawa, that was the plan, And you know, I can't go international so I will just try and cycle, you know, the, as far as I possibly can and then, um, you know, obviously when the government is advising the state of emergency, that means it's not safe to carry on and I really wanted to, you know, follow the instructions that they gave us, so yeah, that's when I kind of uh, ran, ran back to Hokkaido, the safety of Hokkaido. <laughs>
0: So, what have you been doing in Kuchan?
1: Um, so, uh, since I arrived, uh, I've been sewing face masks and selling them, you know, to the local community. Um, uh, sometimes I had to wear a paper mask at work, and I felt like it didn't really fit very well. And um, they're very hard to come by in the shops as well. You know, they had very limited supply, so you know, I decided that I would make my own. So this is my sewing machine. Yeah, and this is the first mask that I made, and uh, you know, at the time I didn't I didn't have an iron at the time, so you know I just did it, you know, kind of quite it was quite rough, but mm. I just found that the shape of the pattern, you know, fits very well on my face, like it makes a good seal, it makes a good seal around the nose and a really good seal around the chin. And uh using a fabric mask, you know, I can wash it with laundry soap and then use it again. Um so it's more environmentally friendly to be using a, a fabric mask, you know, and then I could save money on buying the paper masks. So yeah, this was the first one that I made and then my I had a French housemate and uh, he had the same thing he said oh i've been wearing this paper mask for three days and you know the elastic is broken and you know that's not very uh it's not very sanitary anymore you know so i said like oh i have the sewing machine so i'll make one for you as well so after i made them for him he really encouraged me like hey you know these are really good you should advertise to lo- local people you know maybe you can sell some more and and kind of help encourage the local community here to wear the face mask in public places
2: yeah that's great and uh, for example for some foreigners like me that don't like wearing face masks um, wearing it is actually quite comfortable just wearing it today going out for lunch um, wearing glasses as well so usually just the typical what is it, elastic like this face mask, these elastic, I can't really see it because of the light, but the elastic face mask. Yeah, when you wear it, there's like open spaces. Um, if you're wearing glasses, they fog up. Lots of things like that. But with your face mask, it covers everything. It's quite comfortable. Yeah, so yeah. I do recommend it.
0: Why don't we model the ones that we have here?
2: <laughs> you have your chin? Yeah, sure, sure
1: yeah i think this is my favorite so i'll put on this one and, do.
2: and i do have a big face so the masks fit <laughs> well compared I to like have
1: a bigger nose you know than most japanese people so maybe that was why, yeah. like, you know compared to the
2: what is that i'm going to call them abe diapers because they look like diapers on your face <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: so yeah they're really good
0: yeah
1: And uh, I did some research, you know, I've been reading every article that's coming out about, you know, the masks have been tested and do they work or not. And uh, all the, you know, research that's been doing now, which I mean, until the pandemic, there was, you know, not really much research into these things. They're advising that you have like three layers, three or more layers. So then I, I changed the design so it has a pocket in, in inside so you can put inside you know like some people you uh using like a coffee filter or paper towel as disposable or you could put in another layer of fabric if you wanted to and then take it out to wash it or like a foam some of the masks have like a foam made of the foam instead so really you know it's your choice if you want to you know add the extra layer um and i think it depends what you're doing you know, if you're playing sport or something, then maybe you don't want to have, you know, that kind of thickness. So you can adjust it, you know, how you like.
0: What's the name of your budding company?
1: Oh, <laughs> oh I don't know if it's silly or not. It's, I named it Fabulous Fabrics for Your Face. And oh, I then I love uh, that. In Instagram, we have like a shorter form. It's Fab Face Fabrics. Mm-hmm. Yes face fabric so you know i i think like in the west we you know we're really like battling against like a whole c- centuries of vanity from um You know, advertisements that have said, like, you have to have a nice face and look pretty and wear lipstick and all of these things. And then now this pandemic is here and they're advising people, oh, please wear a mask in public. A lot of people really don't want to. And part of it is, you know, they don't, it's uncomfortable for them. But I think a big part of it is like, you know, it's it's strange. They feel like they don't look nice or they feel like, you know, a bit self-conscious about it. You know and uh, i had friends from the uk contact me saying like just please make me one that's beautiful because you know i don't want to wear it but i want to love it and if i love it you know then i will wear it so if we can like kind of fight towards making it fun and making it fashionable you know then hopefully people will be more likely to kind of follow the advice of the government and you know we can kind of protect our communities from from these um you know this awful disease that is going around, and all of the, these infections. Because in Japan, it's you know it's very normal to wear a mask in the supermarket, but in the yep. UK, it's completely new for everybody there. Oh,
2: so. of course, wearing a mask feels a little bit scary. Um, people who wear masks are mainly for, of course, their religion, or you can be seen as like some sort of terrorist and things like that. It's- that sort of image so very very different in cultures but i do think for especially women uh, if they don't want to go outside with without makeup just wear a mask easy just put it on it takes 10 seconds there you go yeah
0: oh definitely that's
2: 30 minutes to an hour putting makeup on just to go outside and do something just wear a mask and it's all good
0: Didn't you yeah. know that's actually been a really common practice in Japan for a long yeah, time? Yeah, yeah, I knew Yeah, Women knew who don't want but... to put on their makeup just wear the mask. Um, and at, before the pandemic, I remember some teachers, some of my colleagues, kind of complaining about students wearing masks in class all the time, maybe because they just didn't want to get ready properly or whatever. But mm. yeah, I think it's fine. And I absolutely love the fit of your masks. They're, Like Shinya said, um, if you wear glasses, which I always used to, now I tend to wear contacts, but if you're wearing glasses with the usual paper disposable masks, they're going to fog up. It's almost, it's like a no-win situation No, and uh, very uncomfortable. But I hadn't, when I have worn my glasses with these, I didn't have any trouble. And I'm wearing them to teach kindergarten. Uh, In our family, we actually have a dedicated like uh, pot where we boil our masks and get them to the temperature that will kill viruses Jeez. and then hang them up. So, well, my partner's a bit of a hypochondriac, I think. So, <laughs> kind of, But yeah, that is also actually a very simple way. And they, the one that I had you custom make for me, the other one, the really pretty blue fabric, I think it's hanging up now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I've washed it or like boiled it so many times and it still looks absolutely fabulous. So oh, I think you've got a, a, a real winner with this yeah. business project.
2: That's an interesting phrase. Yeah, I'm just going to casually boil my mask. Uh, <laughs> first time I've heard of that one. But yeah. don't
1: want to mistake it for, for the dinner, you know, and then <laughs> pour yourself a bowl of soup. It like, oh, i like, what you like have in the kitchen? Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, that's why it's like a dedicated one that's like going to be used for nothing else.
1: I have a, uh, there's a bar, there's a a bar of laundry soap you can buy in Homak that's uh, like all natural ingredients. I think it's cheap, 100 yen, 150 yen. So, you know, if you're doing hand washing, you know, maybe that could be useful to wash. That's what I've been using to wash my mask in the evening so not not boiling water but hot water and then the the laundry soap and it's nice to have something with no chemicals and no additives you know because you are going to put it back onto your face the next day so you have to be careful with what we treat them you know if you treat it with the chemicals you'll be breathing the chemicals after
0: yeah i think that's another reason why we just boil ours but they smell amazingly fresh even with that like i think it really does kill all the things that make make fabrics tend to smell bad. So oh, it's very good. simple. So there's like no soap or anything happening with oh, ours. I, yeah. And we do that with the paper mask as well. Cause you can actually like throw those in the laundry on mis- by mistake and they come out okay. As long as you don't dry them <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the dryer. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I always prefer to wear your masks when I go to work cause they do just fit so nicely. And I love that you custom make them by asking like somebody's height. So my children, I was concerned. My older son who has always just had a really like big head. <laughs> like Dad, even when me. he was that's
2: that's a... yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> maybe
0: it's maybe it's a bit of a Hafu thing or just the the DNA, but even when Your he was in one? kindergarten. My oldest son, yeah. When he was hey, in man, kindergarten and we had son, to get so. When we had to get uh, the winter hat for him to wear for like outdoor play, we had to buy an adult size hat. None of the kids' sizes would fit his head. It's just very round. Mm. Um, And so I was thinking after I gave you his height, I was like, oh, maybe I should have just ordered an adult mask, but it fits him perfectly.
1: Oh, I'm glad. I can
0: wear them all the time. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm
1: nervous nervous making them for children because, you know, they're obviously children are all very varied. So, you know, I was like, when I was making them, I was like, oh, gosh, I hope these fit. Um, They
0: do really well.
1: (laughs) Oh, good. I'm glad. Thank you.
0: You did an excellent job with that. So, uh, again, where can we find you if people want to order masks?
1: Um, So I just I just opened a shop on Etsy. So if you search for my brand, Fab Face Fabrics is all one word on Etsy, then you can find my masks. And I kind of organized my stock into that shop because um, you know, before I was like sending people lots of photos and they would choose and then you know we were back and forth about the size. So now that I have everything organized in the shop, you can just see exactly what I have in stock you can put it in the basket, you can see how much the postage is. And then in the notes section, you can tell me, you know, what size that you like. So I am using people's height to try and gauge, you know, if they need um, a bigger or smaller size, but I also like to know if there's any defining features, you know, like if you have a very wide face or, you know, a, a larger nose or anything, you know, special that you'd like me to do, Um, Then I try my best to make sure they fit because, you know, obviously that's so important for being comfortable but also, you know, being safe and uh,
0: blocking any kind of, um, any
1: kind of disease transmitting through them.
0: I want to know if it's not a trade secret. How did you come up with this design? Because I've not seen one like it.
1: Oh, um, I (laughs) YouTube, (laughs) lovely YouTube helped me so yeah i found uh i found a pattern on youtube and uh, i think I, i originally chose this one over some of the others because um you know i'd seen some of the ones that were just kind of like two pieces of fabric kind of sewn together. And I found that there was that big space around the nose and then often they didn't really wrap around the chin either. So I spent a while kind of browsing the YouTube videos and, you know, I, I found something that I thought, you know, looks neat and uh, would fit well. But the, I guess I customized it because I made the pocket inside. Mm. So that's kind of a new feature that, yes. So thank Very you, teach nice. Learn many things.
2: How <laughs> <YouTube laughs> about the University. sewing skills? How about the sewing skills? Where did you learn how to sew?
1: Oh, so uh, my mom is. Uh, she's really good, actually. My mom makes uh, um, clothes just as a hobby, but she makes all kinds of dresses. And she made me some dungarees. And um, you know, my 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 own skills were you know fairly fairly basic. I've made i've made a jumpsuit and i i've made some kind of pillowcases um but you know she she's she's been teaching me and uh, i've never had so much free time as this so it's actually really nice to have free time to explore my own interests and you know my own hobbies um because i had the sewing machine a long time and i've made a few things but this is like the first time when You know, now that I'm not working full time, I can kind of explore, you know, things that I want to do. And actually creating things on the machine is really satisfying
0: for me. Nice.
2: And something Uh, with the audience about the differences between, how do I say, Western style uh sewing machines compared to japanese sewing machines
1: (laughs) oh yeah so this one like this this one doesn't have the foot pedal actually i'm sitting on the floor on a low table so lots of japanese style you know is uh sitting on the floor so you can't have a foot pedal with this type of machine so it's just a button to switch on and off and start and stop um so yeah it's a little bit different um but yeah I, i got the hang of it I think it's uh, important to, like, check, you know, have a free hand to push the button. With the with the foot pedal, it's hands-free, so you kind of have to be uh, a little more kind of quick to kind of act to make sure that you're controlling the machine.
0: Oh, yeah. I have a machine like that as well. And um, I also really like to sew. I don't do it frequently because I don't have much free time, but I've made... Dresses and skirts and costumes. Um, I made a really cool Mad Hatter hat for my husband for his birthday one year, oh, and that won cool. a Halloween costume contest <laughs> later. Oh, cool. um, so I like to do those kind of projects. Um, my husband actually sews as well because one of his jobs, besides drawing manga, is um, making like figures. And so before 3D printers and 3D scanners and modeling became such an accessible thing he was hand making these like 12 inch dolls or figurines and uh sometimes like a pro wrestler or angelina jolie or jackie chan and he'd be making all the little detailed costumes and sometimes i helped with that as well
1: yeah it's really satisfying to kind of you know create something that you know is 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 beautiful and and uh you know and every time that you're you're always improving as well you know it's really it's really a practice
0: so mm. yeah but yeah i totally understand what you mean with the pushing the buttons and having that quick fingers and <laughs> being aware we did actually manage to get a foot pedal for our machine years later and that's oh, been okay. nice so you might <laughs> check and see if if they have it as an accessory for the machine you oh, have it it might be available
1: Mm, Yeah, and then I could put it on like the full size table.
0: That helps too. I've I've also done the low table style as well, and it's (laughs) a bit hard on the back.
1: (laughs) I think I got used to sitting on the floor, you know, if I had a day with a lot of warders, I spend quite a long time sitting on the the floor. So then when I did the elastic part, you know, I would try and sit in a chair just so that I could kind of (laughs) move my back around. Um, Mm, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 really nice having having free time to explore, explore interests and make things, um, and uh, you know, I'm kind of hoping that it's gonna help people to kind of uh, you know stay safe in this in this funny situation that we have really, because um, I think in the UK it's worse situation than here at the moment.
0: Mm, right. Um- We have a lot of fun on this show where, me being American and Shinya being from Australia, sometimes the words we use don't always connect the same way. Um, You said dungarees. What exactly are dungarees? Oh, (laughs) What
1: would you you call them in American? Maybe overalls?
0: Yes, probably.
1: I can show you, they're just right here. So I bought this fabric in Tokyo and I was like, oh, I love this. You know, I didn't know what what we were going to make and uh, I bought it in Tokyo and I sent it to my mum and she said, well, what do you want? And I said, well, you know, I'd really like to have a pair of dungarees. So if I stand back, maybe you can see the whole thing. So they're very pink and I have this cute like little matching headband as well but I think afterwards she said, you know, you really challenge me because that's probably one of the most difficult things that I've made, you know, not just a t-shirt or something simple but um, overalls and then they have, uh, you know, the full pockets and the the side and the the big front pocket as well.
0: Oh, those are adorable.
1: She always leaves the seam open for me so that I can decide how short I want to be, the shorts to be. Yeah, wow. so I'm, I'm actually really, you know, recently I've been thinking a lot about my family, you know, partly because I'm here and I'd, you know, like to be there in this kind of global pandemic situation. But um, I'm also really grateful to my parents for showing me these like survival skills you know just being able to being able to cook you know i can keep a really low budget if i can you know cook well and that's something my parents have taught me and then you know i've been able to kind of make a bit of an income selling the masks and things and that's something that my mum's taught me so you know even though they're on the other side of the world i'm like really grateful for you know all of the skills that, that they've showed me uh when i was growing up because um You know, I'm still here, (laughs) even (laughs) despite this uh, terrible timing now.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's really wonderful to have such a great heritage from your family. And uh, what are some of your favorite dishes to cook that your family taught you?
1: Um... I really like it's. it's a bit naughty, but I really like bonoffee pie. Have you had bonoffee pie before? Oh, I've never,
0: never even,
1: even had heard banoffee of it. Pie. It's like a cheesecake base, so you know, like a butter and um, butter biscuit. and biscuit, or you call them cookies, right? Cookies. See, yeah, I know some American <laughs> words too. So, biscuit base, and then uh, a layer of kind of caramel, which you make by boiling condensed milk in the can.
2: Oh, so it's actually a sweet pie.
1: Mm, Yeah, sweet pie. I was
2: assuming like a more of like a meat or like a shepherd's pie Uh, style.
1: (laughs) That's very British as well to have like a steak and kidney pie. Yeah, steak
2: and
0: kidney. Yeah.
1: No, banoffee pie is like toffee and bananas and whipped cream and then chocolate on top. Wow. Mm. (laughs) Wow.
0: Sounds so so decadent.
1: Yeah, nice for a party, but maybe not every day.
0: Yeah, I have to be careful making things like that, because I have no self-control when it comes to sweets. Yes, And I recently discovered a recipe from a, another British friend. Um, it's like a giant cookie that you make in a fry pan. And it takes 30 minutes from start to finish. You never have to turn the oven on. And it's the best cookie I've ever had in my life, so I'll probably never make another kind again. Because it, it gets crispy on the bottom and then it's, like, chewy on the top.
2: Yeah
0: in the, the video um, from the BBC program, I think Nadia is cooking or something. Um, she puts, like, cho- uh, candy-coated chocolates, like, kind of a pastel M&M's or something. And it's really pretty. But I had white and milk chocolate bars, so I just did, like, chocolate chunk. And, of course, yep. it melted. And when I tried, I'm very impatient when it comes to this stuff as well as my kids. So... I just tried to slide it from the frying pan onto wax paper to cool and it folded in half and so I'm quickly like using the spatula to fix it and some of the crispy bottom bits are on the top and it's mixed up a bit but it became this beautiful like swirled white and dark chocolate pattern and like a bow tie cake kind of thing and then threw it in the freezer slice it up 10 minutes later oh so good yeah yeah, but your pie sounds amazing too.
1: Well, here that you know, I don't have an oven in this house, so maybe cooking in the pan is a <laughs> yeah, it's a
0: good yeah, yeah. A lot of Japanese places don't have ovens, or if you do, it's just like your microwave oven, so it's quite small.
2: Mm, sometimes, yes. yeah, sometimes my friends like, oh yeah, right, we have an oven, and I go to their house, and it's just like a toaster style, you know, and yeah. it's not like a. <laughs> proper ovens like i want to bake i want like a roast i want to roast some beef or like roast some chicken you know and you can't <laughs> do that in one of those so um,
1: when i first moved here i think I, all i had was a rice cooker so i was making cakes in the rice cooker just after and put it in you know and it, it works actually you know it does cook it through so
2: <laughs> every time yeah. i've been making desserts now everything's been like if I make cheesecake, I would just make it like a rare one. So you just put it in the fridge. I would make, for example, Rocky Road. And that one is just in the fridge as well, so.
1: Um, well, you can try banoffee pie now, because you can do Benofi that pie. just yeah, yeah. I'm actually not a
2: big fan of sweets. I <laughs> make it for special occasions, but I don't really eat much myself.
1: Actually. okay. Yeah. You're better than me, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm re- more
2: sensible, <laughs> yeah. no i can't that's cool that's cool yes making desserts from fry pans making desserts from (laughs) rice cookers
0: (laughs) pretty good you have to get creative here because a lot of the things that i think in our country our home countries we take for granted like having kind of large ovens or even sometimes you know dryers are kind of rare here air conditioners are are a bit rare in hokkaido as well
1: dishwashers as well yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I imagine it, what it's like to put just put the dirty dishes in the in the dishwasher and you don't have to hand wash it. I can't remember what that's like,
0: actually. <laughs> yeah, I was happy to have a dishwasher when we built this place. However, my husband's style, uh, again, a bit on the hypochondriac side, perhaps he hand washes everything before putting it into <laughs> the dishwasher anyway. I mean, you saw-
2: like proper washing or does he like Like rinse it out open it
0: i i think
2: they're already like
0: done yeah and there's been a couple times like those weren't run yet it's like they looked perfectly clean (laughs) so have to be kind of communicative about that
2: i've never actually had a dishwasher in my childhood so i'm used to the hand washing Mm -hmm. and having a dishwasher seems i don't know a bit of expensive i don't know it's probably, probably, it probably uses less water, no? Use, That's a the idea.
0: Yeah, they are supposed to be more, like, eco-friendly, uh, environmentally friendly to use less water and less... I mean, I guess the heat as well. Like, if you're just using running hot water the whole time versus it heating up the water in the machine. Yeah. And ours is quite small, so it, it's not like those huge ones that I feel probably are a bit more wasteful or take a long time to fill up So it's good. Um, I really wanted to have a garbage disposal in our sink. Uh, And the housemaker told us, like, it's not possible. But (laughs) I was like, why not? (laughs) Anything's possible if you try. But I didn't get my wish on that one. So oh, um, speaking of houses and such, we built this house about nine, ten years ago. But the summer before this... One, we had that big earthquake in Hokkaido, right? And it turns out that my house is on a fault line. And so, yeah, it uh, tilted the whole foundation about six centimeters right off the bat after the earthquake happened. And like all the houses in this row have had damage. And then the houses on either side of me were fine, but then the houses like one over were on a different like fault line. So um, there's been a lot of construction happening. And so uh, we had this company come check it out and it's now 10 centimeters. Um, So the damage is kind of continuing to happen. But they're going to start construction next week and drill very, very deep into the earth until they hit bedrock and put these like pipes into it and jack up the house that little bit. Thankfully, we don't have to move out or like really do anything inside except the last day, they're going to adjust these little... They have a lot of poles underneath the flooring between like the concrete base that um, will adjust the floor in a very... like, komakai. <laughs> very detailed way, I guess. So we have to kind of clear out some of the storage for them to access that. The only thing is that my garden is going to be destroyed.
1: <laughs>
0: well, my husband... Um, I told him how happy I was that my front yard, which I've been naturalizing for years to be just full of flowers and very beautiful instead of grass that you have to water. And it's very non eco friendly and time consuming. And it just the grass after the first year turned brown. And I was cutting it with scissors because it wasn't a big enough space to justify buying like a lawnmower or even a weed whacker. Um, so now it's just full of flowers. It's gorgeous. I love it. I don't have to touch it most of the time. And he's like, oh, that's too bad. They're going to destroy it when they <laughs> fix the house. I'm like, no. But thankfully, the house uh, construction were like, well, well." they actually said they didn't have to mess with the front yard at all. They would actually be able to like leave it as is, which is wonderful. But the side yard, which is mostly dirt anyway. Um, my husband doesn't really like a lot of plants, so I've let him keep it nothing there but uh they are going to be piling dirt up there and kind of destroying everything so i have a few blueberry bushes or strawberry plants or things i need to move this weekend if anyone wants to come help (laughs) so anyway but that's kind of like um i know that sapporo wasn't hit well i can't say that my neighborhood wasn't too bad but just walking distance from here was one of the worst parts of sapporo when the earthquake happened And they're still, like, doing construction on the roads, even now, um, Mm. in places. And so there's, like, a lot of things happening with houses and buildings here Mm. after that earthquake.
1: Yeah, I mean, the technology is amazing that they're able to kind of drill down and and secure, you know, the house, save the house. You You know, a few years ago, they would have had to kind of knock things down and really start again. So that's really, really impressive that they're able to kind of... know drill so far
0: into the earth it really is and we had to wait this long because they didn't have enough supplies um to get around to ours so it's finally gonna happen and i'm glad we don't have to move (laughs) but yeah it's just been crazy like all these different natural disasters pandemics uh things that have been going on but Mm it's really nice that people like you are making the most of it and staying really positive and finding a way to support your community um and i if people watching and listening aren't aware like kuchan is very connected to niseko which is usually known as the australian village of hokkaido (laughs) and it's greatly populated by foreigners uh especially during like the ski season but yeah i think there's a bit of a different culture there. So I loved hearing how you were encouraging people to wear the masks and protect mm-hmm. one another and making it something fun. And uh, mm-hmm. like, like this banana one was just like really... Yes, <laughs> really you
2: do have the banana one. one.
0: <laughs> I do. Well, because you told me you don't wear masks, so I wasn't going to waste yeah. two of them on you. <laughs> so I gave you the, the more useful kind of masculine one and then thought I would... Cause i wear masks every day now for teaching so although i could totally see you rocking the banana mask
2: i would wear a hello kitty mask it doesn't really matter i'm not embarrassed at all so
1: you yeah, look at my etsy shop then feel free to order some more you know i,
2: I, would definitely recommend. <laughs> I, don't,
1: have, I don't have hello kitty unfortunately
2: i like the 70s there's like a one there's like a 70s what is it style i saw oh, the I other see. day i forgot Exactly, but it was like a 70s sort of black and red um, one. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's pretty. I have
1: the same in uh, different colors. Sorry, if you don't have video and you're listening to the podcast, I'm just showing these fabrics that I have. Yeah, in stock at the moment. So I
2: have some patterns, yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I think actually, you know, it's a new addiction for me now that I, I get to go <laughs> out and like find all of these beautiful fabrics and, you know, buy them and bring them home. So I've become like a collector of like shapes. So w-
0: where of- are you sourcing your fabrics from?
1: um so I there's a, a a few shops there's a fabric shop in the in the Kuchan town here and um, where I can buy things by the meter and then in the co-op there's also like a haberdashery there and that's where I get a lot of the kind of like you know really more kind of Japanese style mm-hmm. fabrics and then um in Homak as well in Homak they they sell kind of um you know like a Nice colours in small pieces, so yeah, it's it's all local. It's all kind of lo- locally sourced because it's quite a small town out here. So those are the three places that I could find, you know, things mm. to use.
0: Sorry, haberdashery, is that the name of the shop, or is that <laughs> another word I don't know?
1: Another word for sewing shop.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: it means okay. sewing shop. Maybe it's a British uh, English. I'm not sure.
2: In Australia, yeah. we say the same.
1: You say, you say,
2: "Haberdashery."
1: Yeah, I like how we're representing these like three different continents here. You know, it's um, kind of yeah. nice, huh?
2: <laughs> I mean, yes, I I know it, but I wouldn't say I use it. Maybe, but I do know it. I do know the word.
0: I feel like uh. I've read it somewhere in a book before, but that I had to ask. Like, I'm not. I would never have been able on a test to be like, yes, that's a sewing shop.
2: And of course, you wouldn't say trousers, right, (laughs) Um,
0: Actually, this sounds just kind of outdated to me. But men's trousers? Yeah. But for ladies, like, I I wouldn't talk about wearing trousers. It sounds kind of masculine or outdated to me. I think of my grandpa wearing trousers or something.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so maybe like maybe British English has a little bit more of an old-fashioned kind of sound to it but I, I kind of find that I mix quite a lot because I worked with a lot of American people so I would say like, oh, you know, put your trash in the bin, for example So <laughs> trash is American English and then bin is British English but yeah. I don't know, for some reason, like some of the American words have kind of stuck with me and so, yeah, I find myself like mixing it all it's all a big melting pot, really, in this in this
0: century. Well, language is certainly like that. And, uh, of course, when you live in Japan or any foreign country for a while, and you're speaking that language, it, you tend to mix words, things like genkan. I always have to force myself if I'm speaking English to, like, say foyer or entry. Mm. But genkan is so much easier and because the Japanese entry to the house is different from what we have in the West where it's still considered part of the outside. And that's Mm. where you take off your shoes and depending, I don't think it's so much for Hokkaido, but I know other places, the Genkan is really considered outside and so people will come straight into your house as if it's still part of the outside and coming up onto the house flooring would be like the the stopping point or the border.
1: Mm, Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So that's a bit weird or different.
1: Some words in in Japanese it just doesn't really translate, like there's an English equivalent word but it's like not really the same, so yeah yeah, I think for genkan like we don't really have genkan you know in the UK like we we have a porch or an entranceway but it's not the same so using the Japanese word is more fitting so often I will use a whole English sentence but occasional Japanese words you know like for sure uh, like Natsukashi is is one that I feel like you know we could say nostalgia but I don't use that word often no. in English at all but in Japanese I I feel like it fits
0: right know? I've been teaching people to say that brings back memories for Natsukashi
1: Rather than nostalgia
0: Yeah, nostalgia sounds too like stiff or uptight or like something you see in a a movie scene or something. But Mm -hmm. yeah, oh, that brings back memories. Natsukashi.
2: Mm, Yeah,
1: yeah, it's better for sure.
0: I've had plans for so many years. I want to write a book called The Little Book of Gambare because I think it's possible to come with maybe a hundred different phrases for the word gambare. (laughs) <laughs> because it all is so contextual yeah and it would be like in japanese you can just change that like the endings and it's not very different in what you're saying but in english you have to completely change the sentence mm. so that's a project that's been on the back 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 burner for years
1: mm. Uh, yeah, I think that's you know, when I when I first got here and I started working, I was taught, you know, Otsukaresama desu, like, oh, that's what you say, you know, when you leave work and it means, like, thank you for your, you know, thank you for your hard work and everything. But it doesn't, it means so much more than that. And then people would say it to me when I was, like, out in the shopping center and I was really confused, like, how are you doing this? Why are you saying it to me here? You know, so, yeah. Yeah,
0: anytime you want to... And and people like, if you're hiking a trail and you pass by somebody that's going down, then you would be like, sama. Um, You know, so it is such a broad phrase that is very difficult to translate into English. I still haven't, I, in fact, I tell my students when I meet them, I was like, I want to tell you sama, But I can't because there's no English equivalent for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if anybody out there has, has a good one, please like send that to us.
2: They should just uh, use okay. that Japanese word into English language. Should maybe just become... we can
0: popularize it. Yeah, because
2: yeah, the
1: Japanese just... do that for us, you know, like lots yeah. of things. Just like, oh, we'll just put it in katakana and we'll just use that word because that's, you know, that's the word. So maybe we should return that and kind of
2: you know, mean, adopt Yeah, it yeah. the English <laughs> language takes words from other languages, French, uh, other okay.
0: languages. Yeah, so definitely. why not
2: Japanese? So.
0: English has some words from Japanese that are so ingrained, I didn't realize it until just randomly coming across it. For example, head honcho. Mm, yes. Comes from Japanese.
2: Head honcho? Head honcho. Yeah,
0: the head honcho, like that's the boss. That, I, yeah. But that, that comes from honcho.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I never yeah, in I my
0: life, like, until I came across it here a few years ago, was like, oh, that's Japanese. Uh, And of course things that are like just directly from Japanese culture, like sushi is sushi, karate is karate in American pronunciation. Do you say karate, or how do you pronounce it in your countries?
1: Uh, Karate.
0: Karate with a hard T, okay. Okay.
1: Oh no, I was thinking too much.
2: Karate? No, it's not karate, it's karate.
1: Karate,
0: Karate, yeah, uh, karate I think. How do you say karaoke?
2: Karaoke.
0: <laughs> karaoke. Okay,
2: same karaoke yeah, karaoke. Karaoke. Hmm.
0: Uh, what? What is it? Kamikaze. In. Kamikaze.
2: Kamikaze or something.
0: Kamikaze. I think. Kamikaze. Yeah. Kamikaze. Are there any <laughs> other words um, that you can think of that we do use in English from Japanese?
2: I mean, a lot of food. Yeah, definitely. Food is up there. Uh, yeah,
1: ramen, definitely. Ah, uh,
2: yes. Yeah,
0: guess.
2: food, what else? Of course places and things like that, but not necessarily like random words.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I guess words. like uh, Tokyo, in Japanese, what is it? Tokyo? Tokyo. So that pronunciation, I Tokyo. think, mm. people off. Kyoto? Kyoto, <laughs> Kyoto yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's definitely uh, a different world and perhaps we can... Ah, bento. Bento is a word that's become popular in the U.S. over the last decade uh, because somebody ingeniously made bento lunchboxes a thing. So You
2: wouldn't just say bento box?
0: I don't know. Um, that's why I just said bento lunchbox because we do have a lunchbox culture in the U.S., and then the bento lunch boxes are just like another newer version of that brought in from Japan. But maybe bento box as well would be fine or just bento.
2: Random question for Geraldine, but do you like marmite?
1: Yes, I love marmite. <laughs> I love okay. it, but I don't I don't like I don't like the Australian marmite version,
2: to- Vegemite.
1: Vegemite, and then there's also a uh, New Zealand marmite as well okay none of the none of the like antipodean ones are the same as the british one so i only really like the english one (laughs) because i probably grew up with that one so the texture is very different
2: definitely yeah well i grew up with vegemite so oh you don't
1: like our marmite probably
2: it's okay it's okay but i do prefer vegemite over marmite yeah
0: (laughs) Obviously, I, I know what these words are supposed to mean, but I have never tried either of these. Uh, what is the difference as far as you said texture between Marmite and Vegemite?
1: Um, Marmite is kind of more syrupy, it kind of looks like molasses, and then Vegemite is kind of more like fudge, you know, so it's yeah. kind of stickier, kind of like, it's, it's slightly harder um, mm-hmm. texture. Um, and then, I don't know, the taste it's very hard to describe because, I mean, they, it's yeast extract. So they're very salty. It's just salty. But
2: salty. <laughs>
1: <laughs> really salty. But with butter on bread, you know, it's really yeah. it's delicious. But yeah. I think there's no American equivalent. Am I right? There's no. no I don't
0: think we have anything like that in except. the US that would be <laughs> widely known or popular. Mm. Um, I have wondered there is a paste made from nori. Um
2: that's that in tastes Japan. really good.
0: Oh yeah, I haven't, uh, Is what, is that similar to No, or no, I, no. No, completely different.
2: That one actually tastes good. <laughs> <laughs> the the seaweed paste, what is it? Like Gohan yo? It's called like the brand the brand oh. is called Gohan desio, and it yeah. just it's just like a seaweed paste and you mix it with rice and it's really really good.
1: Is it in a jar? Uh, gel- or in yes. a yes in it's a like jar. In, um, in a jar.
2: white sort of white what is a white jar and it has like colorful writing on it mm-hmm. and but the difference between marmite and vegemi is so different no if it's japan it's natto right
1: yeah that's the I, I
2: would say that's the equivalent
1: i don't like natto though so maybe that's just you know what i it's just I like more
2: that. it's more like japanese eat not japanese people eat natto when, they're very young, and it's very very specific. And then we That's eat Marmite easy. or Vegemite. Yeah, <laughs> yes.
0: right. Uh, very very difficult flavor to adapt to for a lot of us foreign people.
2: Mm. Yeah, but I used to eat Veg cheese and Vegemite sandwiches when I was growing up. Um, yeah, need you definitely need butter for both yeah, Marmite do, yeah. and Vegemite. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, Geraldine, I've heard a lot about beans and toast. Mm-hmm. Is that truly oh, like yeah. a British Australia oh, as yeah. well? Oh
1: yeah. It's popular, have- uh, but it you can buy it here in Kuchan because we have a lot of um, Oh, Also, my housemates are just here Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, You can buy it here in Puchan, actually, but, you know, it's imported, so it's actually quite expensive. But at home, that would be kind of like, it's a real basic food staple that, you know, you can buy very cheaply in the supermarket. But here, because it's been imported, it's kind of become a, like, gourmet thing to have beans on toast. And it's just Mm -hmm. like... Baked beans with, you know, tomato sauce, um, and it's something that I, you know, I would have if I was feeling unwell, you know, at home, and uh, it's kind of comfort food, really.
2: Do you and guys have they, spaghetti on toast as well?
1: Yes, yeah, spaghetti on toast and spaghetti yeah. hoops as well. Yeah. <laughs> we had as kids. Or with the jacket potato, it's really nice as well. Like big baked potato and butter, and then uh, beans or spaghetti hoops inside.
0: But, oh my um, goodness, carbohydrate I mean, overload.
1: I had them as kids, but thinking back on it now, like I imagine that there's probably quite a lot of like sugar and additives and things like that, you know, mm. in those like uh, processed. It's, it mm. seems like very processed. So I try to cook from scratch as much as possible, but. If you're having a day where you're feeling really unwell, having those comfort foods from your childhood can be, you know, really, really nice and make you feel better. So I think occasionally for a treat, you know, it's nice to have things like that.
0: (laughs) Oh, for sure. I think similarly. It's not a necessity. (laughs) (laughs) It can be nice. Mm. Uh, Same thing, spam was like one of the cheapest foods in the U.S. when I was growing up and not something you necessarily wanted to be eating but because it was like easy and didn't cost a lot but it's really pricey if you buy it here in the shops yeah. and then also like Hawaii made spam musubi uh, a really popular dish so sometimes my mother-in-law makes that it's like spam sushi
2: oh, right! Horrible.
0: Like <laughs> it horrible all right you <laughs> have to fry it really have well Do
2: you do the
1: soy sauce or any sauce with that?
0: Mm. Uh, I think mayonnaise, um, mayonnaise. So, Like the rice and then some mayonnaise, Spam and then like a piece of seaweed around it to do the musubi I,
1: I think my dad used to use that Spam to for fishing when I was a kid uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> we
1: would yeah, have it in the yeah. cupboard but I don't, think, I don't remember eating it I used to take it and use it on the hooks you know to catch fish right. <laughs>
0: my
2: filipino friends love spam but growing up probably similar to maybe both of you's but going to like a deli or even the supermarket they have the deli and buying sliced meat and things like that was much better than tin ham yeah Yeah. for sure no thanks (laughs) yeah
0: well, that's okay. really awesome to hear about what you're doing during this pandemic and uh, the new life you've started up in Kuchan. and wow. really look forward to hearing how your cycling trips go in the future once that's become Yay. possible. Thank uh, you. Before we go, I took a minute right before we got online and stepped in my garden and uh, thought I'd show you all our viewers some of the beautiful flowers that are in bloom in Hokkaido right now yeah lupins uh, lupina in japanese uh, these purple and pink ones they get quite tall and of course like uh, some shasta daisies are very very in bloom at the moment i do not know what this yellow one is but it's like overtaking my yard <laughs> but it comes up in the spring is very nice then we have some i believe columbine we call them in in Eng- american english um they're very delicate and cute and common pinks and purples and then i also don't quite know what this purple flower is but it's a bit of a another thing that's easy to find in hokkaido this season so if you have a chance you definitely want to visit gardens and parks and enjoy all of the colors that are happening around our island at this time so um once again you can find geraldine's etsy store it's fabulous fabrics and her Facebook page is Fabulous Fabrics for Your Face. And her handle on Instagram is Fabface Fabrics. Did I get that all right?
1: Yes, that's right. Thank you. <laughs>
0: awesome. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Delana Miyazaki or Delena Live on Facebook. Uh, Shinya, you are Shinstagrams with an Shinstagrams. underscore between us on Instagram. Yep. And if you have any questions or... Uh, topic ideas or would like to be a guest please send us a message at anything goes hokkaido at gmail.com or message us on any of those platforms we just mentioned we're really excited to go into this is our third month of the show and uh, you know it's really nice <laughs> to to keep going and have something uh, to do with some of the downtime although life is picking back up again so any last words
1: um, I'd like to just say thank you so much for having me on the on the show, and I'm really glad that you're going ahead with the project. It's a good social distancing project, actually, to be doing kind of podcast and radio. So, yeah, I was I was nervous before we started, but, you know, I really enjoyed chatting with you, so thank you very
0: much for having me. Oh, our pleasure. Thank you thank so you. much for coming on. Mm-hmm. Anything for you, Shinya?
2: Oh, yeah, I'm good. Uh, it was fun, very casual. It's good. So, uh, yes, good luck to you, Geraldine, for all the best for the future, for the riding. Uh, looking forward to seeing, like, some of your pictures during your cycle, I think. It sounds sounds fun, but I would never do that in my life. <laughs> maybe Maybe something like just in Hokkaido, riding from Sapporo to maybe all the way to the east side sounds good, but... All the way back to London. Whew, yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's,
0: that's definitely in the special category. Yeah. <laughs> it it yeah. takes somebody with a lot of bravery and, uh, you know, big heart to do a project like that. So mm-hmm. look forward to following you when you get to make that journey. Okay. All right, everybody. It's the uh, last bit for the show. So, ne, shitake. Thank
2: you. Bye-bye.
0: Bye-bye. Bye bye.
1: Bye bye. Bye. Thank you.
0: A huge thanks to everyone who's made this podcast possible. A special thanks to Fabulous Fabrics for Your Face and Geraldine Danger for being our guest on the show today. If you would like to be a patron or a business sponsor, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, contact us at hokkaido at gmail.com and be one of the first to see what's going on with our podcast. Thank you for your support and keep on keeping on Hokkaido. Much love to you all and see you next week on Anything Goes Hokkaido video podcast.